The New York Islanders' West Coast trip got off to a disappointing start with a 4-1 loss to the Seattle Kraken. We have a special crossover episode with Erica Ayala of Locked On Kraken. We break down the game, the season the two teams have had, and what New Year's resolutions each team should have for 2023. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Welcome to this Monday edition. It is a crossover episode between Locked on Kraken and Locked on Islanders. I am your Locked on Kraken host, Erica L. Ayala, joined by Locked on Islanders host, Gil Martin. Thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Gil, how are you? Uh, I was a lot better before the game, <laughs> but uh, I, I am good, Erica. Happy and a healthy new year to you and all, all of our listeners out there. Yes, yes, indeed. Co-signed to you and your family and, of course, all the Locked on Islanders listeners that are joining us. So we had a game to kick off 2023, the campaign for both our squads, the New York Islanders at Climate Pledge Arena taking on the Seattle Kraken. Let's get your first reactions. We are recording pretty much right after the game. So uh, what did you see particularly from the Islanders' perspective in this game, Gil? Uh, what, what I saw was that the Kraken came ready to play. They skated fast with purpose, uh, looked sharp, especially in the first 10 minutes of the game. And the Islanders looked like they left their game somewhere over the Midwest and just never really got on track. I, I feel like the Islanders had five really solid minutes at the end of the first period. But other than that, they looked a step slow. They didn't look crisp with their passes. Uh, the Kraken did a very good job of of disrupting the breakout for the Islanders from their own zone, and the Islanders just never got on track. What what, what did you see from the Kraken? Yeah, so you know you mentioned that first period. I think we really saw both teams. I would say both teams at their best in that first 20 minutes. We saw both teams score ultimately a 4-1 win for the Seattle Kraken. Now coming into this game, Gil, we had some pretty devastating, I would say, losses to Pacific Division rivals coming in. We dropped a game to Vancouver, to Calgary, and to Edmonton, and the Edmonton game was not pretty. So I was really looking to see how the team was going to start. To your point, I agree with you. I did think that the Seattle Kraken started really well. That 
that first and only <laughs> Islanders goal was a little bit of a wonky goal. I wasn't really sure what happened there with Martin Jones, who did get the start. We saw that Philip Grubauer got pulled in in our game, as I mentioned in Edmonton or against Edmonton, excuse me. So that was a little bit of a wonky situation, but Martin seemed to settle in. That being said, there weren't a lot of shots that he faced, especially uh, <laughs> considering what uh, Sorokin saw on the other side. And honestly, I thought, that's the first star of this game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible when your team loses four to one and you think that the goalie who lost the game was the best player, but he really did shine. And, uh, you know, Jones wasn't tested often, didn't have to do much, but he did what he needed to do. As you said, the one goal was a little bit odd. And, uh, you know, I, I think that for once, the Kraken made Jones's job very easy. Yes. And, you know, you were talking about the last few games for the Kraken coming in. The Islanders were on a three-game winning streak coming in. And not only was it a three-game winning streak, but it was three convincing, mm. you know, well-played, dominating kind of performances. We saw nothing like that uh, in, in Seattle in this game. Nothing like that at all. It's as if the the tides turn for our two squads, you know, the the roles and the storylines reversed. And on the one hand, as Seattle fans, and we were talking a little bit about this off air, we will take a win, <laughs> especially yeah. Yeah. considering that Edmonton loss. It was a really deflating loss, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, but that being said, the thing that is a little bit concerning, as you mentioned, the last three wins for the Islanders, you use the word convincing wins. I'm not sure this would categorize as a convincing win for Seattle. I do think that they did things, as you mentioned, to make Martin Jones's job easier. And defense was such a huge part of, I think, some of the lapses that we saw. That being said, it was a sleepy game, Gil. I don't think the Islanders were the only team that were a little bit sleepy and lethargic. You mentioned, you know, maybe they lost a little bit of gas coming coast to coast. But what's the excuse for Seattle? We're at home. We're finishing up a homestand. And for them to still not really find their gear, even when they had the game pretty much in their control from the, from the, the puck drop, it was a little bit disheartening. Thing. I could understand that, but at the same time, was there ever a point in this game where you felt, oh, wow, the Islanders are really <laughs> making a push to come back and get back into this game? Because I didn't. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Perspective. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so you, what do you take away from this? We know that hockey is all about, uh, you know, our head coach, Dave Haxel, doesn't like to use the word momentum. He likes to use the word determination. So it's all about the, the ter determination and carrying that from game to game. So coming out of this game, Gil, what are some of the things that you, th that you think the Islanders will focus on? Is it a game where it's like, Hey, it happened. We, you know, wash our, we wash our hands clean of this, or are there things that you'd like to see the Islanders focus on? Well, there are a few things I'd like to see them focus on. I mean, number one, the power play was just atrocious. I mean, the Islanders are now one for 30 <laughs> on their last 30 power plays. You're not winning many games like that. And this is not the first time that the opposing team had better scoring chances when the Islanders had the power play mm -hmm. than the Islanders did. So that is right now a hot mess, and it's something they definitely need to work on. But the thing that bothered me, I think, the most, you know, I can handle when a team has a bad game, but the effort has to be there. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't look like they gave a 60-minute mm -hmm. effort 
in this game. You know, other than that last five minutes of the first period, they look flat. And I, I can forgive a bad game. I can't forgive an, an indifferent game. Right. And this had the markings in a lot of ways of an indifferent game. Now, look, they're missing six players right now due to injury. So the fact that they won three in a row with all those injuries was a little remarkable in and of itself. But you got to have better effort. You may not have as much talent as the other team because of the injuries, but you got to be hustling. You got to be hitting. You got to be positionally smart and sound. They were none of those things in this game. Yeah, I think, you know, you talked about the power play over to the Islanders. The Seattle Kraken did get a power play goal. That came actually from Ellie Tolvanen, who we picked up off of waivers. He came over from the Nashville Predators. I know you unlocked on NHL a few weeks now uh, ago, had Ann Kimmel on to talk yes. about Tolvanen. And it was really great to see him get going and to see the Seattle Kraken power play get going. What a shot he has. He and does. then what I also like out of this game, although I, I I, again, did feel a little lethargy even on our side of the ice. Uh, you know, in addition to Adam Larson getting that first goal, we had uh, Tolvanen in his first appearance as a member of the Seattle Kraken get a goal on the power play. Oliver Bjorkstrand gets a goal. He was robbed by Zerokin earlier oh. in the game. So, yeah, I, I, and the one that he did get, he made sure he popped that top shelf. <laughs> he was not looking for no a room for doubt. <laughs> exactly. Wanted no room for doubt. And then Brandon Tanev gets on the board as well. So those are some players that I really like to see get activated a little bit of a weird feel and cadence to this game, but a goal is a goal and you'll take it and a win is a win. So exactly, think, exactly. getting, getting those players activated pretty important for the Seattle Kraken, but I want to get into Gil in the next segment, a little bit more about the Islanders while we have this crossover. And we'll also talk about the Kraken. We've alluded to it, but let's really get into it. What did our teams look like as we closed out 2022? And what do we want to see moving into the 23 campaign? And then of course, we also have, uh, you know, a winter classic coming up. I want to talk a little bit about what that might look like for our two teams. If, and when we ever get to participate <laughs> in one, uh, so we'll talk about that. That's coming up on this crossover episode of Locked on Kraken and Locked on Islanders. This episode of Locked on Kraken and Locked on Islanders is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Now, Athletic Greens is something that I use a lot, particularly love the travel packs. I'm someone who's on the go, Gil. I know you know I'm on the go a lot. And making sure that I'm keeping my... Uh, my health in order while traveling so much is critically important. And that's why I love athletic greens in one eight ounce a bottle of water and a scoop. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start my day off right. Athletic Greens makes it super easy. They give you a bottle. All you got to do is drop uh, your water in there, one sco scoop full of the Athletic Greens, shake it, and you're good to go. What I love also is this is helping with digestion. It's helping with energy, and it's also cost-effective. Anyone who's tried to really get their health in order, whether it's through diets or supplements, vitamins, all of these things, you know that if you're doing all these things as a one-off, it gets extremely expensive. But this, again, one scoop and you're good to go. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a one-year free supply of the immune-supporting vitamin D and 
five free travel packs. Those are my favorite with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We want to thank you again for making Locked On Kraken and Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Make sure you check out Locked On NHL Prospects, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. Plus, NHL draft rankings and top prospects comparisons for every team. Locked On NHL Prospects is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Gil. So we talked about the recap. That was the immediate thing that we had to talk about. Our two teams going head to head, but let's go back a little bit. So we are in 2023. So not, I mean, roughly the halfway mark, but certainly the 2023 portion of this season, which for us is only our second ever season, but for the Islanders, we're celebrating 50 seasons, which is fantastic. Uh, we're not going to recap all 50, but, <laughs> but if you could talk to us about what this season has been like for Kraken fans who we got a little bit of a taste of the Islanders and we'll see you again down the road, but, but what's uh, even beyond the last few games, what has been the MO of the Islanders in the 2022 portion of this season? Yeah, it's been inconsistent more than anything. This team, you know, the, the big question coming in with the new coach Lane Lambert taking over for Barry Trotz would this team be able to score enough goals? Was there enough offensive talent? And could they increase the offensive output without sacrificing the defense and the goaltending, which is what makes this team so effective when they're winning? Sounds and the better. answer is sometimes. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> that, that's been the answer. We've seen the Islanders defensemen activating more, getting more involved in the rush, taking calculated risks and pinching in. And the, the Islanders' defense core has been one of the more effective offensively over this first part of the season. But injuries have hurt this team, and there's just not enough scoring depth. I mean, you've got a player that a lot of uh, you know Pacific Northwest hockey fans are familiar with in Matthew Barzal, who had a goal in his as close to homecoming as he's going to get <laughs> in the NHL uh, in Seattle. And... You know, he's he's more of a of a setup guy than a goal scorer, really. He he he'll get you 20, but he'll also get you like 60, 65 assists if he's doing things right. Mm -hmm. But he's got nobody really to to work with on his line that's gonna right. put in 30 or more goals. So mm -hmm. that's been the issue uh in that sense. And then just consistency, trying to find uh that effort, you know, a game like the one against Seattle where the team just looked flat. There's been a few too many of those or games where the Islanders are losing three to one after two periods, come out with this really amazing comeback and win the game. But you're like, yeah, but they played poorly for 45 out of 60 minutes and you can only get away with that so often. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and, and you can't do that consistently. So the inconsistency has been the biggest issue. They still need, in my opinion, to add another goal scorer mm -hmm. and then to get healthy or at least healthier would, would certainly be uh, the way to go. How about the Kraken's 2022 portion of this second <laughs> season in Seattle? 
Well, I mean, a lot of what you said resonated, so we'll start there. I mean, you and I have talked on the national show, Locked on NHL. We had some really big goalie issues that we had to figure out, not only transitioning from last season, but also when Chris Jigger went down and with an ACL injury in the World Championships in that gold medal game with Canada, we had to do some figuring of things, uh, you know, regarding goaltending. And so the answer was to pick up Martin Jones and Jones was expected to support Philip Grubauer. But then early in the season, Philip Grubauer goes down and we had to rely on Martin Jones a lot. And he got the win tonight against the Islanders. I do think that he's played relatively well. That being said, the defense in front of him, very lackadaisical at times. And I do think that was an issue that Philip Grubauer and Chris Jeeger, basically all of our netminders had last season. That did carry over. Now, what we also did see, though, is that the Seattle Kraken really focused on booning their scoring ability. And Andre Burakovsky, Burakovsky excuse me, entered this game as our highest scoring player, 28 points overall. Jared McCann is our highest goal scorer. But what we're seeing is that 28 points comparative to some of the other highest scoring players, I think McDavid came in at like almost 70 points when Edmonton rolled into town, is that you're seeing there's is even distribution. A lot more players are activating in the offense, including some of our blue blue liners, excuse me, that you mentioned as well as something the Islanders are trying to focus on. Though I will also say it looks so much better than last season and is still inconsistent. And that's been a little bit of a problem for the Seattle Kraken. We had our, our two, uh, our, I should say our first and second longest win streaks, a seven game win streak and a five game win streak up from three from last season, Gil. So that's amazing. Progress. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Progress. And so you're seeing that progress. The bar was pretty low. We had a rough time. That being said, the, the consistency is the thing. And the last few losses, as I mentioned, not only are tough because of where we are league-wide, but these are Pacific Division rivals. And we lost some positioning by not being able to get those wins at home, mind you. And yeah. so what we've heard from Dave Haxtell in the last handful of days is he is holding his team to the fire. He's questioning and he's asking this question to the team. Are we the kind of team that is willing to put in the work to get better? We have a solid team and the mistakes that we're making or the the edge and the drive that we're going to need, we don't have it right now. So are we the team that's going to find it this season or is that something that we're going to have to wait on? I'm, I'm kind of adding that last part, but is it, that's the next question. Or is this something that this team is not going to commit to and that that Ron Francis then and his front office are going to have to find either at the trade deadline or in the offseason? In my opinion, it's probably both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that. And look, I, I mean, I think part of it is that this is a process. The the Vegas Golden Knights are the exception that proves the rule. Most <laughs> expansion teams do not go to the Stanley Cup final in their first season. Yes. So you know, if you're building a team the right way, it does take time. And to me, as an outsider looking in at the crack and seeing how much better they look this year as compared to last year is, you know, there's definite signs of progress there. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And so you're you're absolutely right. And that's something that we've known. We got a little bit of a taste of success. We do still need to see that consistency. That will take time. And I think it will also, to Dave Haxel's point, take will. Uh, which brings us to where I want to go, Gil, in our final segment of our crossover, as I like to say, squad cast. But since it is the new year, lots of people are tossing out resolutions that they may or may not forget in a handful of days. But if we could hang on to a few things and take it with us throughout the regular season and beyond, if we're so lucky, we're going to talk about that. I'd love to hear what you think that is for the Islanders. And of course, I'll give you what I think the resolutions should be for the Seattle Kraken. That's what's coming up on our crossover of Locked on Islanders and Locked on Kraken. On Kraken and Locked on Islanders, your first listen today. For your second listen, checked out Locked on NHL Prospects, your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft. Locked on NHL Prospects, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Gil, we are back here with our crossover episode, our squad cast. We talked about the game, the 4-1 win in favor of the Kraken. We talked a little bit about what the 2022 portion of this campaign for both of our sides has been. Now let's get into what we want New Year's resolution style for our teams to really carry through in 2023 and beyond. So we talked a lot about the inconsistency for both of our teams. I know that you talked about injuries and, and how that has plagued the Islanders. Is there anything either that we did talk about that you really think is going to be the difference or maybe something that we haven't mentioned yet that you think could be a resolution, a New Year's resolution for your New York Islanders squad? The New Year's resolution <clears throat> in two parts for the New York Islanders. Number one, got to get that goal score. And, you know, this is a team, the Metropolitan Division is so tight. Uh, I think coming into this weekend, four points separated second place from sixth place. You go on a three-game losing streak, you're out of the playoffs. You go on a five-game win streak, you're in second place. It's it's very, very tight. The Islanders do not have the horses offensively to be a real cup contender. The defense is there. The goaltending is there. The depth is kind of there, but it's like they have uh, two second lines and two fourth lines. You know, there, there's just not enough offense to go around. So, Getting Matthew Barzal, a winger who can score 30-plus goals a year, to me, Lou Lamorello's got to make that New Year's resolution before the trade deadline, the sooner the better. And, you know, Lou Lamorello's expression is, if you have time, take it. You don't have as much time as you think, Lou. Uh, it's very tight in this division, and if you want to make the playoffs, you've got to get that scorer sooner rather than later. And then sort of the caveat with that goal scorer, this roster has to get younger. I would say more than half of the roster is 30 years old or more. Uh, I like veterans, nothing wrong with that, uh, but there needs to be a little jolt of youth on this roster. The fact that the Islanders played three very strong games with six players injured because they brought up some young, hungry players from their AHL farm club in Bridgeport just tells me you need that mix. You need the veterans, the guys in their prime, and then the younger players. And the most successful teams have a little bit of all three of those types of players on their roster. I'm not seeing enough of that from the Islanders right now. So 
maybe trade off one or two of the older players, get some younger players in the lineup and build from there. Yeah. Again, a lot of what you say resonates with what I see from Seattle. I think the differences in where I'll take our New Year's resolutions is I would love for us to get kind of an elite level, just, you know, consummate all-star level player. I think we're still a year or more, <laughs> probably more from, from being able to, to manage that with the, the salary cap and some of the young talent to your point that we're trying to bring in. So in absence of really getting that top goal scorer, elite level goal scorer, I think what we absolutely have to do is solidify defense right now. We've got big, tall bodies. And I personally like that on defense as an option, as a part of the arsenal, what we don't have right now are really spry mobile defenders. And we've seen that our defenders can get locked into position for lack of a better term and kind of get their, their skates stuck and other teams that are able to either move the puck really well or have some of that really quick talent are going to expose our defense. Um, and so that's going to be an issue. I think another thing goaltending is is something we have to figure out. I don't really know what the answer is. Again, there are a lot of different variables in this particular season, but we're going to have to figure that out knowing that we signed Philip Grubauer to a pretty substantial contract. But again, if I kick this up a little bit for Seattle, regardless of whether we have goaltenders coming in and out, we need to play our game. I think tonight's game against the Islanders, again, in my estimation, is a little bit of an example of what happens when you don't have a, a good understanding of your game. We know that this is a team that's tired. They got their butts whooped by Edmonton, but you have to find that fire. And as Dave Haxtell said, we talked about it in the first segment, that determination, and that is inconsistent for this team last year. And I've talked about it on the national show. I call this a group of teenagers. You tell a teenager what to do. They hear you cognitively. They understand you now, whether they go and do it is another thing. I think we're almost graduating right to our early twenties, but we're still not there yet. So I want to see that consistency in the fire and determination and really have the Kraken settle into the type of game that they want to play. We're most successful when we're playing team defense, particularly that's predicated on a good checking system, on the forecheck, making sure we're being aggressive in the neutral zone. And we stray from that a little bit too often. That makes sense. I have a name for you. I have a name for you. Okay. And it wouldn't cost you very much. How Let's about go. making a deal for Sebastian Ajo of the Islanders? Look He's at a that. good skating defenseman. He's a third pair guy, not going to you know, necessarily give you 25 minutes a night, but he'll give you... 18 solid minutes and it'll give you a little jump on your second power play unit for sure. Yeah. Okay. I, I could see that. Obviously got to see him in action. What would you, what do you think that would cost or what would sweeten the pot from the Islanders perspective? You know, I, I am not sure. I'd have to really do a deep dive on the Kraken <laughs> yeah. organization to, to, to make, it could be a pick though at this point. And we have those. And you have those. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's a possibility. 
We'll see. We'll definitely see. Well, before we close out this crossover Squadcast episode, we know that at the time that this show is airing, folks around the NHL and the hockey community are getting ready for the Winter Classic. Now, at least in the Pacific Northwest, that has led to a lot of rumors and discussion on what an outdoor classic might look like if it comes to the Pacific Northwest, where it could possibly be, and of course, who would play. Now, if I looked up the stats, though, and uh, the former outdoor games for the Winter Classic specifically, I don't think I see the New York Islanders. I've seen another New York team on here uh, a time or two, including at my favorite place in the tri-state area, City Field. But uh, I have not seen the Islanders play. So we'll start, Gil, with you, and then I'll talk about some of the rumors we're hearing. But what would you like to see? Where would you like to see an outdoor classic? Who would the Islanders play? Well, you know, the Islanders have not played uh, in the Winter Classic. They have played outdoors. They played the uh, Rangers at Yankee Stadium, a game I covered. Uh, It was freezing. We were outdoors (laughs) in the press box. I had eight hot chocolates in that game, and I never had eight hot chocolates in my life, and I was still cold. But (laughs) all that being said, I I think the, the logical opponents would either be you have your Rangers, Devils, Flyers. I think you keep it in the division, maybe the Caps or the Penguins. Um, and I think that City Field, as you mentioned, would be uh, an ideal place to have the game. It's a little more cozy than Yankee Stadium. And I think it would really have better sight lines. It does for baseball than yeah. Yankee Stadium does. Uh, sorry, Yankee fans. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, and then uh, there's that whole orange and blue thing that you got going. <laughs> you do have the orange and blue thing. You wouldn't have to change the, the colors of the uh, of the seats or anything else. That is uh, that is very true. How about out in the Pacific Northwest? Do, do you think they go uh, San Jose or because Vancouver is in Canada, does it not make that uh, something that the NHL would do? Yeah, you know, I <laughs> I would venture to guess it's probably not San Jose, at least not anytime soon. <laughs> but I think what I would really like is um, I think a lot of people kind of see Vancouver as more of a geographical regional rival. We have not made it much of a rivalry on the ice. <laughs> so it's yet. a very one yet. 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 So I'm tempted to say, and I know a lot of people pitted us against Vegas early on with the expansion situation, but we've actually played a lot of really gritty, grindy games with Vegas. So I kind of like that idea. And then you've got T-Mobile Park, which is where the Mariners play, which has a covering. So that's always exciting. Lumen Field, where the OL Reign play and the Seahawks play. But then there's also the stadium at Washington University, which for college football is an experience (laughs) and is a tough place to play if you are coming in as a visiting squad. And I just wonder what an a winter game or an outdoor game to your point earlier about being at city field before I do wonder what, and if the Pacific Northwest would embrace ice hockey in that kind of college setting. And I think that you want to talk about a view that's a beautiful campus. Um, You know, it's, it's really the heartbeat again of, of uh, Washington football and, and their sporting communities. So I think that one could be fun, but selfishly, Having something with a cover 
if I was going to go out there and cover the game, I think I personally might root for that. But you just want something that's going to be fun for fans overall. <laughs> you, you, do. You, you don't want the trip to Vegas? Is that? <laughs> yeah, probably not going to be Vegas. I mean, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting as we continue to see hockey, even outside of the NHL grow and, you know, these uh, air quote unconventional or non-traditional markets, which are usually in warmer climates. What does an outdoor experience, what does a winter classic experience look like? Is it even viable or feasible from an economic perspective, from an ecological perspective to have those kinds of games? I, I'm very curious to see how the sport figures that one out. But uh, yeah, I think um, I think Seattle, we, we definitely want an outdoor game. And of course, we are looking for when as far as reverse retros, when we're going to see those Seattle uh, metropolitan cities come through, a winter classic could be a nice touch. Although I still do think that our franchise is probably saving that for, for a nice run after we've done a little bit more to, to liken ourselves to the Seattle Metropolitans, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I understand. And then someday that cup will be in your future. So someday we'll see. We'll see. I still have a, a running uh, hot take that the Seattle Kraken will win a Stanley cup before the Vegas golden Knights. So again, fuel to the uh, maybe winter classic <laughs> vibes and rivalry, but Gil, always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm really glad we got to dive into the Islanders a little bit more on this crossover episode. We were foes on the ice earlier, but now we're friends back again here on the locked on network. So let locked on Kraken fans know where they can find you and the show. Well, uh, you can uh, find the show wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, the show is on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and I am at Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and that's uh, based on the title of my book, Ice Wars, which I wrote about the Islanders-Rangers rivalry. Oh, yeah, for sure. And for anyone listening, yeah, from the Locked on Islanders crew, thank you so much for having us. Locked on Kraken, just like Locked on Isles, can be found anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube at Locked on Kraken. That's also where we're at on social media. As far as me, my name, Erica L. Ayala. You can find me on social media at E Lindsay 08. That's E L I N D S A Y. And of course, come back, listen to some more cracking. And if you like talking about defense, I'm your gal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks as always for making Locked on Islanders and or Locked on Kraken your first listen of the day. As I say over at Locked on Kraken, we hope that you are kind to yourself and to others throughout your day. And for the Kraken Nation, hold fast and stay true. And either way, either Gil or I will catch you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Want to thank Erica Ayala for joining us for this special crossover episode. Have a great day, everyone. A happy and a healthy new year. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.